praise God. We've got a lot of scripture to cover today. Uh, so let's just jump right in. Let's start opening by opening in your Bibles to John chapter 10. I want to start off here with a really, really familiar scripture here. So we're going to start John chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse number 22. John chapter 10, verse 22. I'll wait for everyone to get there. John chapter 10, verse 22. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in a temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Underline that. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Underline that and double underline where it says follow me. Verse 27 again. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And we're going to pause there. The reason why I wanted to go to this scripture was mainly to focus on verse 27. And that is, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they will follow me, and they follow me. In the times that are coming and in the things that we've been through so far, just can't believe tomorrow's already going to be April 1st. So we're going to be half or a quarter way of 2019 through 2019. And if you remember back to various prophecies we've heard going all the way back to oh November-ish or so of last year, the warning that God kept giving us was things to come, be careful of things to come, challenging times are coming. And as many of you know, things kind of got kicked off with a bang starting almost on January 1st of 2019. Various things in the school districts that I'm starting to see are, are, are starting to get pushed out. Things that are starting to infiltrate into churches as well around the country and people starting to push certain lifestyles and saying that the Bible is in support of these type of lifestyles when clearly, when clearly it's not. So the important thing for us is that we need to be able to know God's voice when he's speaking to us. And you've heard us, we, we, we've, we've mentioned this, and I've heard many preachers talk about this as well, is about tuning into Holy Spirit, almost like a radio station. And if you, you know, have a certain radio station on, and if you take any kind of long drive, you know you get to a point where the station starts to get a little muffled, and then it actually switches over to some other music, some other broadcast, because, you know, the broadcast stations aren't the same around the country. But if you grab your dial and you start to turn in, funny enough, you'll be able to find that same type of music that you were just listening to, but on a different, on a different frequency. So we have to learn to tune our frequencies into, into Holy Spirit's frequencies. And then when we do that, we have to be able to discern what God's voice actually is from our own and then from the voice of the enemy. So today's focus is going to be, how do I know what God's voice sounds like and how do I know that he's actually speaking to me? With all the different voices in the world and all the different clutter that's out there and all the noise, how can I actually get myself to tune into, or once I'm tuned in the Holy Spirit, how do I know that it's him actually speaking to me? Well, one of the first steps that you have to do is you have to do like there in verse 26, 
or opposite of what verse 26 says. And that's Jesus said, but you do not believe because you're not of my sheep. As I said to you, you have to first believe. Believe God. There are a lot of people out there that actually believe that a God exists, but they believe that God exists, but they don't believe he is God when challenging times actually come before them. It's easy to walk out on a beautiful sunny day like we have here today and look at the flowers, look at the sky and listen to the birds chirping in the air and and, and have this joyous feeling that uh, that the sun brings when it when it comes out on these beautiful days, especially in the Pacific Northwest. when we are still not quite out of the rain season just yet, um, and, but it's coming. Um, it's easy to know that God is God during these moments. But when things start to get crazy, we don't always believe that he is who he is. The second step you also have to do is you have to desire a deep relationship with him, a deep relationship with him. You think about any relationship that you have with any individual. The only way you actually know their voice and know who they are and believe who they are is you actually have a deep, deep relationship with them. I have two kids. I desire a deep relationship with them. Doesn't change my, my level of, of wanting that relationship with them. Doesn't change just because they live in our household and, and, and my wife and I are married and we don't have a split household or anything like that. I have to put forward the effort to have a deep relationship with them. And do by doing that, I remember standing in Walmart one day. And it was it was a crowded day. It was busy, a lot of noise. And I went over to look at them tools, you know, while my wife was doing some food shopping and everything like that. And I thought to myself, all right, I'm done looking over here. Let me go see if I can see, see if I can find them. I went to go grab for my phone and realized, well, she probably won't hear the phone because of how noisy it is in, in Walmart. So I walked out of the aisle and I literally just stood there in the middle of Walmart. and I listened for a second. I was able to hear my son's voice and I walked over to the aisle where I heard his voice from. And sure enough, down that aisle, all three of them were my wife and both my kids. And I didn't have to listen very hard, but I was able to block out the noise and I can hear him talking. And I told my wife, I said, oh, yeah, I said, I had a feeling you guys over here because I heard Eli all the way over there. And she said, oh, that's strange because he wasn't even talking that loud. Okay, but it's because I desire that deep relationship with him, uh, with my kids. And I'm able to tune into their voices, even out of whatever noises is going on. So we have to be willing to do the same thing by desiring a deep relationship with him when we do that. He's able to speak to us and we're able to clearly hear him no matter what's going on around us. We're able to heed his warnings uh, whenever he's trying to warn us. And we don't try to push through the things when he's putting roadblocks in front of us. We're not we don't have to go there now, but you can jot you can jot this down. Numbers 22 verses 22 through 34, which you see in there, as you see ba- uh, Balaam. If I said his name right, uh, Balaam was on his on his donkey and, and he was um, going in the direction that God told him not to do. And so God was upset with him. And as he was going in that direction, three times the donkey, the donkey changed his course. And three times Balaam struck the donkey. And finally, in the last one, God opened the mouth of the donkey and had the donkey talk to him and say, hey, we basically what he said to him is, is have I not, you know, um, um, supported you ever since you, you've had me? Uh, why would you strike me? And then he saw and then Balaam saw the angel and the angel told him that the reason why the donkey donkey moved was because he saw me standing in front of him and that's why he moved okay so many times if we're not in that deep walk with God and we're trying to say okay I believe you I believe in God I trust God but he's pulling me I want to go in this direction he might be pulling me here but I keep going in that direction because every single roadblock for whatever reason we believe is the enemy coming against us when it's not it could actually be God warning us not to go in that direction Our voice sounds very, very, very close to what God's voice sounds like. Okay, barring any type of um, 
uh, mental disability that you might have, um, you're never going to do anything or put yourself in a situation where you're going to be harmed, where you're going to be harmed, or you don't enjoy um, uh, pain, so to speak, unless you had some sort of mental condition. So it's easy to be able to look at how God's voice might sound like our voice um, and, and get those two confused. But we're going to talk today about what is the difference between the two. The first thing we have to understand about God's voice is that God's voice is one of all that's always of truth. He always tells the truth and he never lies. Turn to Isaiah 55. Another familiar scripture here. Isaiah 55. And let's actually start in verse six, Isaiah 55, verse six. I'll pause. I'll wait for everyone to get there. Isaiah 55, verse six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Underline that we just finished talking about how uh, in order to be able to know God's voice and discern his voice from everyone else's voice, you have to desire that deep relationship with him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he uh, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thought. Thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it uh, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. If you don't already have all of those verses underlined, verses 8 through 11 there, go ahead and underline them, and especially there in verse 11. So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So what God is saying there is that if I say I'm going to do something, it's going to happen. It may not happen in the time frame that you want it to happen or it might not happen the way that you want it. But if I say this is going to happen, X is going to happen, Y is going to happen, Z is going to happen, those things will happen. When God said, let there be light, there was light. There was no darkness and or a little fizzle and a little bit of a spark and a partial light. There was light. In the original translation, it said God said light be and the light came. So that shows you there throughout. You can read all through Genesis when um, during the creation, everything that God said was going to happen, happened. When Jesus was on this earth and he was with his disciples and he told them that one of you will betray me. And he told Peter, when the cock crows three times, you will deny me or you will deny me three times. And he said, no, no, no. It happened. okay? because Jesus knew he was speaking truth and he was doing the will of his father. So if God told him that when you go down to earth and you start preaching my word, at some point, these people aren't going to listen. They're going to crucify you. But you rise again in three days and you have the keys to the kingdom. So when Jesus came to earth, what did he preach? He preached that same exact thing. And all those events started to take place. God's word is absolute truth. OK. We want to make sure that we remember that. Because when he tells us to go, 
or he tells us to stay, to stay, we need to make sure that we go or we stay. Because there's a reason why he's telling us to do those things. If he's given you a promise, then a promise is exactly that. It's a promise. It's not a man's promise. That, that's one thing I've, I've told people. Um, I remember back in, in, in school, I said, you know, I, I'm not one to make promises because I'm a human being and I can make mistakes. And it may be that I promise you something today. And then after I think about it, I'm like, oh, man, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have made that promise. You know, and then now I have a choice. Of, do I stick with that promise or do I just change my mind? And who knows what happens after that? When God makes when God says something, it's going to happen. OK, what did he tell Abraham about his um, about his sons, about how how they, uh, he was going to be the the the, uh, the father of many nations and his sons were going to be great. And look what happened when even when Ishmael was born. OK, and how we know the story there. And I won't get into that too much. But even Ishmael, that line that led down to what um, uh, parts of Islam today that then has led to terrorist organizations being developed, et cetera, like that. And the reason why that happened was because God made that promise to Abraham. He told him this is what this is going to happen with your son. And God, like God said here, it should, my word shall not return to me void. OK, so when he tells you something, it is absolute truth. The opposite of God's voice. In terms of truth is lies. So how do we know God's voice from others? Well, God's voice is the truth and others can be telling lies. Turn to second Peter chapter two. Second Peter, chapter two. And we're going to start just right in verse one. Second Peter, two, verse one. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Notice that there and bring on themselves swift destruction. So people that are out there preaching a false doctrine in terms of what the Bible is, they're going to bring about destruction on themselves. Verse two, and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covenants, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not uh, does not slumber. You notice there in verse three says by covenants, they will exploit you with with deceptive words. If you if you really, really, really watch someone that's that's preaching an incorrect doctrine, usually it is because there is something that they are after so badly whether it's they want to be right, whether it's they want they want some sort of status. Um, you see it in churches with 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 unfortunately with with some pastors that are, are want these large numbers and they want these large ministries and, and all of these things. And they are coveting that so much that they start using deceptive words just to try to draw people into uh, in, into the church. Um, there is and, and I won't say the name, but there's one quote unquote um, religious organization that's probably one of the largest religious organizations in the world um, that has lots and lots and lots of deception and none of their stuff even comes out of any kind of Bible whatsoever. 
but there's there's so many celebrities and stars and athletes that that flock to this particular group and they've got these so-called churches that are around the world and if you've ever listened to anything that they say it doesn't even make any kind of sense whatsoever it sounds like something that's straight out of a movie but for some reason people are drawn to it because the deception that they're using is hey let me just talk to you for a second i'm gonna ask you just a couple of questions just have a seat here and let's and let's see, see what's going on with you and they start asking you some questions almost doing like a little interview and they'll say oh by the way you should buy this book because there's a program here that you can attend and we can get all of this cleared up for you and then by also on top of that we have all of these classes you can go through and you don't need god they don't even talk about god but they talk about how 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 we somehow as mankind could get to this level of spirituality without having god in our lives whatsoever okay and i won't get into too many details about other things that they teach but this is some of that false doctrine that's out there that is obviously not as subtle as some things that you might see happening in actual christian churches okay where they will take parts of the bible and they'll say this scripture means this and they might be right but then when they go ahead and then look at the well what about this scripture over here oh no 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 that was old testament that was during those times that doesn't apply now we don't have to look at that scripture they'll only pull certain scriptures out because it justifies their their, their behavior it justifies the things that they're doing and they don't actually want to make a change and we're going to talk about conviction a little bit later on so they continue to preach this 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 false doctrine okay i heard somebody one time even say to me um, and, and I, I, I shuddered when he said this, um, but there was an individual several years ago that was um, looking for, you know, l- looking to get involved in, in some in some leadership work uh, within an organization I used to work in. And I remember we were talking one time and, and this particular individual said, yeah, you know, if this doesn't pan out, I could always, you know, I, I could always become a pastor. And. internally I just I'm not going to lie you know I kind of just like you of all people want to become a pastor in the state that you're in right now (laughs) you know not to say that any of us are perfect or anything like that Um, but I knew a little bit about his lifestyle and some of the things that he was in and he said and then he said yeah but I I don't know if I'd be doing it for the right reasons but there's a lot of money in, in doing I thought to myself Oh, I see why you want to become a pastor, because you think that you're going to have this six, seven figure, eight figure salary with this big house and all these people flocking to you and following you. And that's why you wanted to become a pastor, not because you think it's something that God may actually be calling you to do, but because you think that there's some sort of status, that there's a level that you are coveting so much that you are willing to take something that is important in God's eyes in terms of pastoring a church and wear that title just so you can have people following you. Just so you can reach some goal and some check mark that's in your life plan. And that and, and in God's eyes, that's not right. And so when I heard that, I just kind of shuddered and I just thought, oh, OK. And then I just prayed for him quietly there when he said that. But that's what you have. Some people just want that kind of status because they just want everybody. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And I'm not going to get into pride just yet, because we are going to talk about that a little bit later um, as we're talking about uh, conviction and, and, and what that what that actually looks like. So picking up here, I'm going to read verse three again. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood, uh, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. And turning the cities of Sodom of Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous lot 
who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring reviling accusation against them uh, before the Lord. Let me see. I don't want to keep going. Yeah, I'm going to keep going here. But these like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed speak evil of the things they do not understand. Underline that speak evil of the things that they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who counted pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery that they cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls that uh, they have a heart trained in covetous practices and on accursed children. Okay. Now there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in there. Okay. Um, Verses, uh, let's see, verses four uh, through eight there. um, What that's basically saying there is that God knows how to bring about punishment on those that want to try to uh, purposely deceive people. Okay. And it is, and, and he will save the godly that are amongst them. So what that means for us, especially in this day and age, is we're around so much ungodliness. Um, there, there are things that happen today that when I was in school would be uh, is completely unheard of. Okay, even when I was in college, some of the things that happen today are just completely unheard of. It was almost like back then, some of the things that are taking place now, it, it was almost talked as like, well, could you imagine in a world that we lived in where this, this, and this happened? So, oh, yeah, no, you can never imagine that. And then here enough, here, sure enough, here we are in a world where all these things that we thought would never happen are actually happening. So as we are in this world, we have to make sure that we are listening to God's voice and we're able to separate truth from the lies because we have this ungodly around us and God will protect us. But we have to make sure that we don't somehow start to get swayed by these false doctrines and these, and these false preachers. OK, now, false prophet, you've heard me say this before, is not necessarily someone in a. Um, uh, a formal position to teach. Okay, so it's not just it, it doesn't have to just be a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or, or something like that. It could be anybody that is doing what God called us to do in terms of evangelizing and spreading his word. If they are allowing themselves to become deceived and they take that and they're like, yeah, that that that's right. Yeah, the Bible does say that. Oh, I, you know what? I do believe that. And that even. Yeah, that's right. And then they start going out and they start talking to other people about that, sharing the same exact lies. They are starting to become a false pr- prophet, if you will, or a false preacher um, just by that. OK, because if you are bringing about false doctrine to others. Then you are you are, in essence, you are teaching a false doctrine yourself. You have a spirit of error that could be operating, uh, could, could be operating in you. And so if you're not shielding yourself from that, if you're not have your spirit guard and you're saying, all right, Lord, I heard this Christian, this man or woman of God say this. And they said that. 
I'm going to take it back. I'm going to talk with you, Lord. Am I missing something here? Am I missing something here? And listen to what Holy Spirit is telling you when he says that. You can go around and start buying that hook, line, and sinker. And then you start spreading that. And especially if you have a family, if you have kids, if you don't understand what the false doctrines are that are out there or all the lies, and you start preaching that stuff to your children, you, you, you could be doing a whole lot of damage in your life, okay? Um, and the Bible talks about how God will bring, um, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he'll bring judgment on the, on the, on the sons of the generation generations or in future generations. In other words, what you do today, the actions that you take today, if you are not careful and if you're not living a life that God wants you to live, that punishment could happen generations and generations down to family members later down the line. So it may not necessarily happen to you in the moment. It may not necessarily happen to your children, but it could happen to their kids or their kids' kids um, down the line. Okay. so it's important to understand that we or important for us to know what the false doctrine is versus what the actual um, what, what the Bible. Bible actually says in the days now, OK, the, the things that are being taught, it's not a it's not a just jump in your face. Bang. This is a lie. OK, there's a lot of subtlety and that's how the enemy is starting to operate. Is he's mixing in half truths and trying to cover it with this lie that's going to appeal to your senses. Uh, it's going to appeal to the things that you might want to do in your life and your goals. And you sit there and you start to think like, oh, yeah, that, that could that could be right. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. And then you start thinking about it. And the problem with thinking about it is if you think about it absent Holy Spirit then your mind, your man's mind starts to take over. Your human mind starts to take over. So anytime when, when you hear something that, that's being said, spoken by, uh, by a Christian or somebody that claims that they know the Bible, you shouldn't think about it from your, your philosophical mind. You should take that before God and say, all right, Lord, am I missing something here? Because what that does is that opens the door for God to actually say, yes, that is right. Or no, that's not right. And matter of fact, here's where it is in my word. You just don't want to buy it hook, line, and sinker, so to speak. Okay? Uh, let's see. Um, in verse 14 there, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. If you don't, if you're not getting into God's word and if you're not desiring that deep relationship with him, in a way your soul starts to become unstable. You don't know what the truth is from a lie. You wouldn't know the devil if he stood up in front of you, you know, in the, in the, in the way that it's always described in, you know, in a, wearing a red suit and a pitchfork and a pointy tail and these horns. You know, if you're not well grounded in the, in the word and have that relationship with God, he could stand right in front of you and you'd have no idea that it was actually him. So it's important that we understand the truth from the lie. So God's voice summarizing that, the, the, these few scriptures that we read, God's voice tells the truth. The enemy's voice tells the lies. Okay. The next thing that God's voice does is if you hear it, is that it actually brings about conviction. Turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 7. And this is one that we struggle with as, as, as Christians, is, is, is separating conviction from condemnation because we don't like to be convicted. And we're going to talk about this here uh, quite a bit. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Okay, there it is again, the truth. This is Jesus speaking here. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. 
And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Okay. So there you see in verse eight. And when he will and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and, and, and of judgment. So you see the word conviction there. You're not condemned. OK, the devil would like us to think that any time we make a mistake, that all of a sudden we're condemned to hell. We're going to burn in eternity um, forever. No, Jesus just said it's good that I leave because then I'm going to send the helper to you. And when I, that helper is Holy Spirit. So when he sends Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will convict you of any sins that you that you may have uh, that you may have done. And that conviction there is to correct you so he can say, all right, this is what you've done. You shouldn't have done. And here's why. Repent. It's up to us then to go ahead and repent and to know that any time we ask God for forgiveness, that he is faithful and just to forgive us. The devil would have you believe that huh, you're a child of God. You, you call yourself a child of God, huh? Well, how could you do that if you were a child of God? Why would you listen to that if you're a child of God? Why would you do that? Why would you go there? And what happens a lot of times with Christians is when they listen to the enemy's condemnation, they pull, they, 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 they allow themselves to get pulled away from God and they have a hard time coming back because they feel as though that they are inadequate. I am not worthy enough to go sit in a church building to listen to God's word because of everything that I've done Monday through Saturday. I'm living this lifestyle Monday through Saturday and I'm only a Christian on Sunday. So because I'm only a Christian one day of the or quote unquote, I'm a Christian one day of the week. I'm never going to go to church again. What's the point? God can't use me. I'm a sinner. I do this. I do that. I do this. I do. I do all these other things. Well, how could God use me? And if you look at the Bible, look how many people God has used based off of their, their, their lifestyle and based off their path, it, it, their past. It's something about that, 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 that ungodly past that God looks at and says, I can turn that around for good and I can show you some things that you've never seen before. And because of that, if you go and do my will, I'm going to be glorified. I will be exalted. And then I'm able to then bless you because you are doing the things that I'm asking you to do. And then not only do I bless you, but then you start to bless others through your testimony. That's why the one of the reasons why Jesus said forsake not to get the gathering together of yourselves, because he understands that not everybody in church is in the same spiritual walk. Not everybody in the body of Christ has the same spiritual walk. So if you are getting together with other believers, regardless of what their lifestyle is, and you are living the lifestyle God is expecting of you, you can be an example to them and a testimony to them where they may sit back and say, you know, I heard brother so and so said that and that resonated with me. Sister so-and-so said that that resonated with me. Matter of fact, I might give them a call and just ask them a little bit more because I'm in the same exact situation. And then when they call you and you start talking to them, you get to then preach to them about what God what God has done for you and how he took you out of that. And then that God will do this again and he can do this for you. But you have to believe in him and you have to call out to him. OK. So we have a hard time with conviction a lot because of that, because it doesn't feel good. OK, I remember as a child, um, anytime I got in trouble and, and, you know, if we got if I got punished or something like that, it never felt good. 
You know, it never felt good. And, and I knew something else as a child, too, is that my parents were right. I never told them those things, you know, as, as a child or anything like that. But I knew in my back of my mind, I'm like, they're right. But because I allowed pride to get in and really just steer me in a, in, a, in a direction that God didn't want me to go, I would never, ever, ever, ever admit. Because if I admitted that, then that means I would look bad. And that spirit of pride is in there saying, no, nah, you can't look bad. And that's important because as Christians, we don't allow ourselves to be convicted sometimes because there's pride that's operating in our lives. And we don't want to hear anything that a godly person uh, has to say. And I've seen this happen in, in various situations with various different people. And the way this starts to look is that when you start talking, when they bring up something about the Bible and you kind of, I won't say, you, you refute it with Scripture. A lot of times what they'll do is they will just shut down completely. They won't say anything else. They won't bring up another scripture. And I'm not talking about uh, like a biblical debate. I'm talking about biblical discussion where you have um, a, a group of people. It could be two. It could be more where you're actually getting together and you're talking about things about the Bible. And you wanting you're wanting Holy Spirit to reveal to everybody that's in that group what this particular scripture means or, or what a certain topic means so that you can walk out of there with a Holy Spirit understanding beyond one accord and those kind of things. I'm not talking about the no, I'm right because. The Bible says this. You're wrong because you don't know this. In those situations, you will see what will happen is people will immediately shut down or what they will do is they will repeat the same thing over and over and over again. And what that shows then is that there's a spirit of error that's operating in their life, possibly, that is having them believe a particular scripture without allowing them to see the other scriptures that go along with that so that they have a deep understanding. And because they never get to that deep understanding, they can't get into a further conversation to talk about, here's what I see in the Bible, and this is what the Bible, this is what the Bible says. It might be one scripture and then bang, that's it. And they will be real quick to end the conversation and steer the, steer the conversation somewhere else. OK, I've seen it on many, many, many occasions. And what happens there is, is that that spirit of error that's in there, that's that, that, that that's telling them this is what that scripture means. And it's not right. And then you've got a spirit of pride in there that's sitting there saying, don't ever admit that you're wrong. So if someone gives you any kind of unsolicited spiritual advice, because face it, as Christians, we give unsolicited spiritual advice. Right. I know I most certainly have done it on, on many occasions. Um, and, 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 it's, and I try to make sure I do it under the unction of the Holy Spirit so that it doesn't do any harm, that it does some some good in their lives. But when those things happen, they will quickly be able to just quickly say, OK, yeah, I got it. Oh, yeah. No, no, no I wouldn't do that. And then in their mind and you can see. And I'm not sure why I'm staying on this, but when you're having those conversations with these people, you can almost see it in their eyes. That they're not really listening. When you get to, when you get to a, a, a spiritual truth, you will see that they are not really listening. So they may say, oh, yeah, they may say it in agreement. They're not agreeing because they actually agree with it. They're agreeing with it because they want to shut you up and they don't want to hear anymore. That's what it is. That's spirit. Matter of fact, let's go. Let's go to Hebrews. Because there's a reason why these there's a reason why that happens. Let's go to Hebrews chapter four. Let's just start in verse nine. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered uh, entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us, therefore, be diligent, underline, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him uh, to whom we must give account. So the reason why I wanted to go there was because um, in that example of, uh, of talking about how people will react when that 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 pride doesn't allow the Holy Spirit conviction. OK, the reason why that happens is because the word of God is going to get in there and it's going to say you might feel this way about this particular scripture or this particular subject. But in the truth of that is going to be this. So when that sword of the spirit, when that word of God gets in there, it's going to separate the feelings from the spiritual. And the reason why we have a hard time a lot of times with with conviction is because we want to think that when we read everything in the Bible, that we are doing everything that the Bible is saying. But we're not perfect. So if we read something that really starts to hit us I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to change this up. I need to change this up. If you don't if you don't check that spirit of pride, you're just going to look at that and say, yeah, OK, and you're just going to keep on going and you're just going to keep on doing whatever it is you're doing. You're not going to make the changes that Holy Spirit is trying to say, hey, you need to get it together here. I've told you about this. You need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent. This is why you see certain doctrines out there around uh, around Christianity where people are saying it's okay to do X, Y, and Z because in their heart, they're not going to feel okay if they stop actually doing those behaviors. Okay. Um, drinking, you know, that, that, that's one thing the Bible talks about drinking and then I'm not going to get into, in, into too much um, on that for this for this particular message, but there's reasons why as Christians we should not be drinking. There's reason why as Christians we should not be engaging in uh, um, Halloween. Okay, when that comes around, there's spiritual reasons for not doing that, those type of things. But a lot of people will continue to do that because they don't want to tell their kids, oh, we're not going to go trick or treating. You have no many idea how many times people have looked at me and they said, oh, so what do you do for Halloween? I said, oh, I don't, don't we, we don't celebrate Halloween. Oh. And they look at me kind of funny, and then what they'll do is they know I have kids, so they'll try to pull that card, and they'll say, what about your kids? What do your kids do that day? I said, we stay home, watch a good movie or something like that. That's about it. I'm like, oh. I remember my wife and I, we were taking family portraits, and um, it was around fall time. I think it was around October a couple of years ago. And one of the ladies up at the counter, she came by, and she had a basket of candy, and she held it in front of our kids. We're like, oh, no, 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 thanks. We don't, you know, we don't do any Halloween candy or anything like that. Well, they, they can't have one piece. And we said, no, okay, because they were getting kind of pushy. And the look on her face was just, it wasn't disbelief. It was more of disappointment because she thought our kids were going to be disappointed over the fact that they can't have candy on Halloween around that time. You know, and that's some of the things that we do in our household because we know that that candy during that time of the year is usually connected to that Halloween celebration. So when that time comes around, we are very, very careful about who we accept candy from and where the candy is because any other time, they're not serving candy over there. But it just so happened to be around the second week in October, there's candy. And so we just said, no, we'll, we'll, we'll wait. We'll pass on that. And we'll get them something later on after that, after that holiday comes around or after that um, 
that holiday. I know people like to think it's a holiday, but after that day actually is, is gone, then we'll actually we'll actually do that. So we don't want to ignore that conviction that comes from from Holy Spirit, because that can put us in a spot where we're not able to hear from God. OK, we're not able to hear from God. And you always, always want to be able to hear from God. And this is why it's so important to study the Bible, because if you remember back when you first became saved, Think about that. Did a light bulb just go on all of a sudden about all the different things that you need to change and all the different things you need to do in your life? No, you get that. You get that over time as, as you start studying the Bible and you start seeking out, seeking God, because then you start saying, yep, you need to change that. OK, good. No, you need to change that. You need to change that. And you see, as you go throughout your entire life, there's always going to be something that Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you. All right. One of the things I love is uh, is anytime I've been in a church setting. And knowing people that are there that have been walking with the Lord for such a long time, one of the things that I love seeing is that they'll have their raggedy Bible that they've had ever since they were a child and the pages are torn and it's barely holding together because they use it so much. But I love seeing that they still take their pens out and they're taking notes or they're still highlighting, they're still circling things, because even at that level of, of, of that deep walk with God, they understand that I will never, ever, ever be at a point while I'm on this earth where I know everything about God and that I can't learn. That's what we should be doing as Christians all the time, okay? So, so God's voice will bring conviction, and it doesn't always feel good. Conviction never feels good. But the devil's voice will bring condemnation. The devil will try to have you think that just because you slipped up and stumbled, that there's no way out of it. But Holy Spirit's voice of conviction is one that will point out what you did wrong and remind you that you should repent because God is faithful and just to forgive. This is the whole conviction and condemnation thing. And I was not intending to spend this much time on this at all. But there's a reason for it, obviously. The doctrine that's being pushed now and you've heard me mention this a few times, and for some reason this is still sticking in my spirit. The doctrine that's being pushed around acceptance of LGBTQ lifestyles and trying to push that into the churches is one when we have conversations with those people, if we're not careful, we actually end up condemning them. or We have them believing that they're condemned. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I have heard Christians all they do is they'll just say, yep, you're going to go to hell, blah, 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 and all these things. You're going to go to hell, you're going to go to hell, you're going to go to hell. The Bible didn't say that. What the Bible says about that lifestyle is that according to God, it's a sin. However, the Bible also says that anyone that's a sinner, if they turn their way to, if they turn away from it and they ask God to, for forgiveness, that he can forgive them and, he'll, and he can help them turn their lives around. We don't ever hardly do that, though, as Christians. All we do is we just talk about, well, no, yeah, we don't like you and everything like that. No, you need to stay away from us. And I have actually heard pastors say that a homosexual is not allowed in a church until they get their act together. Now, that's just kind of silly, because how do you expect someone that's a sinner to get their act together if they can't come to church. Amen. Jesus certainly went out with sinners. He didn't sit there and say, oh, yeah, get your life together and then I'll come break bread with you and I'll come talk to you. Oh, yeah, you're possessed with a demon. Yeah, you definitely don't got your life together. So you come back to me when your life's together and then I'll go ahead. and How is that supposed to happen? I mean, if you think about that, forget, forget, forget the Holy Spirit revelation into that. 
That on its surface doesn't even make sense. What God calls us to do, however, is to talk to them, is to is to talk to them about the love of God and how the love of God can deliver them. Just because we don't agree with the lifestyle does not mean that we hate them. It does not mean that we don't love them. We love them. We accept them. But we just don't accept the lifestyle because God says God says that that kind of lifestyle is a sin. And as Christians, we should be saying that instead of saying, yeah, you know what? Come on into the church. And when you come into the church, matter of fact, we're going to talk about why your lifestyle is acceptable to God. And we're going to go to scriptures. And I'm going to say, you know what? I used to believe what all these other Christians out there believed about the lifestyle. But I read the Bible. And you know what? The Bible actually doesn't say that. And if you look at these people that are that are in charge of pushing this agenda, that's exactly what each and every single one of them say. I've heard so many people, uh, um, and, and I won't get into too many details about some things that I've seen happening um, um, in, in various workplaces there, but there are, 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 it almost seems like there's, everyone is reading from the same exact script. Almost like there's some talking points that have been delivered to everyone, and they're all reading the same thing because they are saying it word for word. And it's much different when you have people speaking that are, uh, that are, when, when Holy Spirit is operating in, in the lives of various people and they're all saying the same thing, it's not that same feeling. And I don't know how to describe that feeling, but when Holy Spirit is operating in people's lives and everything is on one accord, you know that it's Holy Spirit talking. But people aren't saying the same thing word for word over and over and over and over again. This agenda that the enemy is pushing, people are saying the same thing over and over and over again, almost as if the more I say it, then at some point you're going to believe it. And that's exactly, and I won't get into cults, but that's exactly the way cults operate, is they believe that if I say the same thing 50 million times, then it's going to, be, it's going to become truth. And that's why they shut everybody else off from the outside world, because they don't want your mind to be poisoned by the people that don't believe what we believe in this cult. They're wrong, we're right, so we're going to shut you off from the outside world, and we're going to control what goes into your mind. Because if I keep saying it to you over and over again, it'll think in and you'll actually start to believe it. Okay? But if, if we allow ourselves to be convicted, we'll understand that those are lies. <clears throat> OK, the last thing here we're going to look at here, the last couple of scriptures in closing, turn to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Because God's voice always brings encouragement. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Just a few scriptures here. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. If you don't have all of those scriptures underlined, go ahead and underline all of that, verses 10 through 13. Because we oftentimes forget that when God calls us to do something, that he is almighty God, all powerful. And because he's almighty, all powerful and all knowing, 
He knows the things that we are capable of doing, even if we don't know what they are. So if he calls us, that should be enough encouragement there that, wait a minute, God is calling me to do this thing. I should be feeling encouraged because this is God who's calling me. But oftentimes we don't think that. We think, again, like I was saying earlier, we believe God when things look all sunny and we can smile and we're joking when we're having a good time. But as soon as he calls us to do that thing that we're not so sure of, it's like all of a sudden we forget about who God is and we forget how powerful he is. So we should be encouraged by God just for him calling us. But if not, if that's not enough, you can see in these scriptures here, God says, fear not for I am with you. And there's many scriptures in there um, in the Bible about not fearing and about how God is with you. One of my favorite ones is is Joshua chapter one, because um, that whole first one through nine, I believe it is um, in there. There's a point in there where God says, no man shall be able to withstand you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. And I remember every single time that I've gotten to a situation where I've had to deal with people that I really just don't want to be dealing with that. I rather just like, gosh, I wish you wasn't going to be there. I wish I didn't have to talk to you. That's the scripture that I always, always quoted to myself. Okay, and then I personalize it. So I don't just read it as fear not for uh, as I was with Moses, I was with you. Uh, I will be with you. I look at that and I say, okay, no man shall be able to stand me with me all the days of my life. As God was with Moses, so he shall also be with me. And in that way, now it's not just me reading it and learning. It's me saying, I've learned it. Now here's how I'm going to apply it to my life. And so as I'm walking even into those meetings, sometimes I will recite that on my way into that meeting. Or if if I'm sitting in there and someone is really just starting to get a little adversarial and, and we're getting ready to bump heads, I'll quickly just kind of say that to myself just to remember that, okay, I'm not afraid of what you're going to get ready to say. I'm not afraid of the direction that you are going to try to take this thing that we're that, that we're supposed to be we're supposed to be doing. And then I also remember I, we don't wrestle not against flesh and blood. So then I'll sit there and say, I'm not wrestling with flesh and blood, but we're against principalities, darkness and in, in high places. And so now I'm starting to personalize the Bible and those scriptures to me so that any time I'm using it now, now I realize that. Okay, I'm in a battle with the enemy right now. I'm in a battle with his with with his demonic forces. So if we were standing face to face and I was looking at a demon, this is how I'd be saying the scripture to you. Okay, praying over my kids, the same exact thing. If they're sick, I'll sit there and I'll quote the scripture that says um, uh, by his stripes, we are healed. And I'll and I'll lay hands on my kids and I'll say by Jesus stripes, Elijah is healed. By Jesus stripe, Chloe is healed. By Jesus stripes, I am healed. And I'll do that to personalize it for myself because then that helps me to say, wait a minute, this is. This, this is something that God is talking to me about. He's expecting us to use his word. And then that starts to give me that encouragement. The devil, on the other hand, is he'll discourage you. He will do whatever he can to just say, yeah, that's not going to work. Remember, you prayed for healing six months ago. You went to the doctor and things still haven't gotten better. God didn't hear you. And in those kind of situations, you remember what the angel told uh, Daniel. The first day you sent up that prayer, God heard you. But the prince of Persia withstood me 21 days until the archangel Michael helped me. And so I remember that scripture, too, if the devil tries to sit there and say, you prayed for that six months ago. You prayed for that three years ago and it still hasn't happened. Why do you keep praying for it? Give up. It's not going to happen. Okay, and that's what he likes to do. He tries to discourage you. We won't go there now, but if you get a chance Definitely take a look in Exodus chapter three. Good example of encouragement versus discouragement. When God called Moses to go before Pharaoh and told him to let my people go. And Moses, in his mind, was thinking about, well, who am I to go before Pharaoh? I mean, that's like saying um, that's like going to someone and saying you need to go over to the governor 
and tell the governor that, they, that she needs to do this, 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 and this. He said, well, who, who am I to go to the governor? I mean, there's channels to get information over to the governor. How can I go? And this is what God is saying to Moses. You go tell Pharaoh. Don't worry about the channels he might have set up. You go in there and you tell him this is what I want you to do. And by the way, when you do that, here's the things that are going to happen as well. So you see some more you see some more truth there. OK, so we should always be encouraged when God calls us to do something. One, it's because he is God almighty and he knows exactly what we're capable of, capable of, even if we don't. So when he calls us right then and there, we should know and remember that we are going to be able to accomplish whatever it is that he's asking us to accomplish. And then the last thing for the encouragement is he will always remind you as well of who he is. He will remind you of the times that he's delivered you. Look in the Bible at all the stuff that he's done for everybody else. I mean, these are people that obviously we don't know. We've never spoken to. But if he was there with them, then know that he's also going to be there with you, because like them, we are also children of God. So the last things I would just want you to remember here, knowing God's voice, God's voice is one of truth. It does bring about some conviction, but it also encourages us. Amen. So I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And you, as you go forth through the rest of this day, that you remember these things about God's voice so that you can be encouraged to do all the things that he's encouraging. Uh, he's asking you to do. Now, let's prepare to honor God by collecting our tithes and offerings.